Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us from Genesis about in the beginning. And today, he'll be teaching about in the beginning and having freedom from worry. Download this message for free at friendshipwithgod.org and also on iTunes. Now, we need your support to continue this Bible teaching radio program on the air on this station in this city. Donate at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or call us now or after the program at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Now, here's Tom Cantor continuing our teaching from Genesis about in the beginning. So in the beginning is a signal to us or a concern for us for others, for others, because man's days were numbered during Noah's time, 120 years. Man's days, individual people's days are numbered. God knows the number. And, and there's many numbers that God can see that we can't see, but what he has given to us, he says, you don't need to know the exact number of this person's life and this person's life or this group's life. He says, what you need to know is that the night is coming when no man can work, so therefore you must be about your father's business. You must be about your father's business. What's your father's business? To come to seek and to save that which was lost. That was his mission statement. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Um, some of you know the story of, of, uh, of Larry Rust. and He was my neighbor in, uh, in Lakeside. And uh, he was um, the kind of guy, a retired Navy guy, kind of a little rough around the edges. But Larry was the kind of guy that you just didn't sort of warm up to. So let's talk about God, Larry. No. So I just sort of naturally uh, gave him a wide berth, especially when it comes to God. Well, what happened was Larry got cancer. He got prostate cancer. He got sick. And his wife, Charlotte, says, oh, Larry's down at Balboa Hospital, the old Balboa Hospital. Oh, Balboa Hospital, he's got prostate cancer. Oh, no. I said, oh, God, I have never, I, 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 I got to go talk to him about God. And so I go down there, and I had a, I didn't have this old Bible here. I had a big black Bible then, you know. And so I carry my big black Bible, and I could go down there, the basement where the cancer patients were. And I said to the nurse, is Larry here? Oh, yeah. And he's just down over there. So I walk, I, I just got into the door frame of his door with my Bible and Larry explodes. God, no God, no Bible. Get out of here. Get out of here. You just made a big scene. And so I said, okay, okay, okay. I'm going to go there. I said, yeah, same old Larry. And I thought, well, I'll just give him a few days. He'll cool off and then I'll go try again. So <clears throat> a few days went by and I came back and I came back to the hospital. I said, I said, hi, is Larry here? And she says to me, the nurse says to me, and who wants to know? I thought, this is very strange. <laughs> I was going to say something like that. And so I said, Tom? She goes, oh, so you're Tom. I thought, what did I do? He, she says, let me tell you something, Mr. Tom. She says, Larry, Larry Russ died last night. And all through the night, he screamed at the top of his lungs in this corridor, Tom, Tom, where's Tom? Bring Tom, bring Tom. That was extremely sobering. That was a life changer for me. I tell you this story, and I've told it a lot. And one time I told it to Pastor Keating and at Emmanuel Faith, Emmanuel Faith Community Church up in Escondido. And I was sitting there, and he told us to the congregation, and I was sitting in the congregation. That's the first time I ever heard the story told to me. <laughs> I always told the story, you know. 
So I was sitting there listening. I said, well, this will be interesting, you know. I'll just pretend like I never heard it before. It hit me like a ton of bricks. I started crying. It was right at the end of the message. He comes down. He saw me. He knew exactly what was going on. He said, Tom, Tom, listen to me. Listen to me, Tom. You did what you could. I said, I don't think so. That should be the spirit that we have when we read something of in the beginning, knowing there's an end for the lost. We don't have forever. You know, all those people, and there were many people, that, that had the privilege of speaking to Pastor Jim, the lost souls that had the privilege of hearing the gospel from him. And I, and, and I, and I remember some of them. That privilege is finished now. Because that servant has been removed. That servant, that servant, his green card expired. And so he's gone. And that's the way it's going to be. You know, turn, if you would, to Luke chapter 16, verse 20. Luke 16, 20. <clears throat> Here's another very, very interesting um, account. And I say that word account because it's not a story. Amen. And it's, it's um, as a matter of fact... I want you to look at this account and realize it's not even a parable. Remember the last one we, last one we just read was a parable. That, 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 may, that didn't happen. But this one doesn't say it's a parable. This is something that really happened. Luke 16, 20. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus who was laid at his gate, laid at the rich man's gate, full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's tables. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores And it came to pass, this happened, the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died. That was an event that happened. The rich man also died and was buried. That was an event. So just as sure as you could have been in that room with that rich man and he gave up his last breath, he died. That was an event. Just as sure as you could have stood by the graveside in the funeral party and watched him be buried, the third event also happened, which is recorded in verse 23. And in hell, he lift up his eyes. What's that mean? He woke up. He woke up. Event three, being in torments. That's not a parable. That's a true account. Oh, that it might not be any rich man that we had the responsibility to bring the gospel to. May it never be said of us that a lost soul, that God says, you are to bring the good news of salvation to that person, that that should happen to him. Or if it does, then when he lifts up his eyes, he says, he was right, she was right, it's my own fault I'm here, I resisted all the way. It's not a parable. Death, it's a sleep. Daniel 12, 2 through 3. This talks about people sleeping in the dust of the earth. And then it says, they awake. Some to everlasting life. Some to everlasting shame and contempt. And they that be wise, that's us, supposed to be us. They that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness, as the stars for and ever, what righteousness? His righteousness. Declare his righteousness. His righteousness. He's righteous. We're sinners. He can make you righteous. That's salvation. There's one thing you can never do in heaven. You can never do in heaven. You can't go win souls in heaven. They're either won or lost. It's finished at that point. 
that burning issue was so much pressing on the Lord Jesus Christ that he said, those words, I must be about my father's business. I have food to eat that you don't meat to eat that you know not of. I, he, he set his face to go to Jerusalem like a flint. He, when he got finished, it was all the, 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 the pressure of it all. He said, I finished the work you gave me to do. When he was 12 years old, I had a work you gave me to do. I must be about my father's business. In John 17, I finished the work thou gavest me to do. I must work the works of him that sent me, he said. John 9, 4. The night cometh when no man can work. So in the beginning leaves us with a concern, a deep concern, not to be like the captain of that Italian cruise ship, first off the ship, you know, accidentally fell into the lifeboat. Not to be like that, but to be what he should have been, last one off the ship. That should be us, last one off the ship, to make sure that the lost get saved, as many as can get saved. My job, not to go run for my own safety. My job, get them saved, as many as possible. The heavens and the earth that's referred to here in Genesis 1-1 has an end. Don't look at your house and say, now i got to get it just perfect, just perfect, just right. Don't look at your possessions and say, I need to just buy this and then I'll be happy and then I'll be complete. God became a man, Jesus of Nazareth, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he took on him your sins and he died for you and he rose on the third day. And all you do is you call on him and ask him to save you. May it never be said of us that a lost soul that God says, you are to bring the good news of salvation to that person, that that should happen to him. Or if it does, that when he lifts up his eyes, he says, he was right. She was right. It's my own fault. I'm here. I resisted all the way. There's one thing you can never do in heaven. You can never do in heaven. You can't go win souls in heaven. They're either won or lost. It's finished at that point. That burning issue was so much pressing on the Lord Jesus Christ that he said, those words, I must be about my father's business. I have food to eat that you don't meet to eat that you know not of. I, he, he set his face to go to Jerusalem like a flint. He... When he got finished, it was all the, 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 the pressure of it all. He said, I finished the work you gave me to do. When he was 12 years old, I had a work you gave me to do. I must be about my father's business. In John 17, I finished the work thou gavest me to do. I must work the works of him that sent me, he said. John 9, 4. The night cometh when no man can work. So in the beginning leaves us with a concern, a deep concern, not to be like the captain of that Italian cruise ship, first off the ship, you know, accidentally fell into the lifeboat. Not to be like that, but to be what he should have been, last one off the ship. That should be us, last one off the ship, to make sure that the lost get saved, as many as can get saved. My job, not to go run for my own safety. My job, get them saved, as many as possible. Now, <clears throat> third concern within the beginning. Turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. 
Third concern about in the beginning. <clears throat> this passage, which is all very familiar to us, says in Matthew 6, 24, it talks about two masters. And it says we can't serve both of them. He said it's either going to boil down to a love-hate relationship. He says you'll love one and hate the other. Or it's going to be a whole despise relationship. You can't serve God in riches, he says. He says, therefore I say unto you, don't, take no thought. Don't be overcared for. Don't get overanxious for. Don't get uptight over your life. What you shall eat. What you shall drink. Nor yet for your body. What you shall put on. Now, the life is more than meat. And then he says in verse 26, Behold, look at this. The fowls of the air. Look how they don't sow, number one. Look how they don't reap, number two. Look how they don't put up in barns, number three. But... Your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you much more better than them? Okay. Now look at verse 28. Why are you taking thought for the raiment? Consider, look at this. Look at the lilies. Lilies of the field. How they grow. They don't toil, number one. They don't spin, number two. But I say to you, even Solomon, all his glory, he wasn't dressed like them. He says, O you of little faith. Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? For all these things, the nations, the other nations who don't know God, they seek after those things. But your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All those things, chump change for God. Nothing. Don't waste your life on chump change for God. They'll be added to you. Your job, seek God first. We have a decision to make in life. We naturally worry. I don't know about I worry. I mean, verse number one, verse 25 says, you worry about your life. We worry about our life. We worry about several things about our life. We worry about the past of our life, even though we can't change it. We still worry about it. We worry about the future of our life. 90% will never happen. We worry about what others think of us, think about us. Most of them, it's either they don't think that or they think worse. We worry about our health, and that brings stress, and then our health gets worse. We worry about our food, what we shall eat. I don't know about you, I, 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 have an, I, I have an inventory of what's in our refrigerator. I can tell you how much leftovers we have of what and where we get, and what has been bought and needs to be cooked. I drive my wife crazy. Oh, especially when I was on chemo. Everybody loses weight on chemo. Not Tom. He gains <laughs> 55 pounds. And right after lunch, I'm on chemo. I say to my wife, what's for dinner? He answers, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We worry about our clothing, you know, what you put on. When we first came to Ethiopia, there was a, a group there that helped us tremendously called Project Mercy. And we, when we would go there, we lived on their compound. We built our pilot facility on their compound for our mice. And it's an interesting place. They have about 1,500 children that go to school there. And these are Ethiopian kids in the area we're in. And this place, Project Mercy, has a relationship with a school called Georgetown Day School in Georgetown, where the tuition for a preschooler, not room and board, just the tuition is $29,650. So you got a lot of kids? They're happy. Now, uh, oh, and, it, and it's not so bad because when you get to high school, 12th grade is $34,000 tuition. All right. Now, so you can imagine um, the economic status, economic level that the students who go to Georgetown Day School are from. And so they have a relationship with Project Mercy where kids from Georgetown 
day school go to Project Mercy, and they, and they go there and work with the kids. So we were working there and, and living there in the compound, and we'd see these groups of rich kids come and arrive there. And it was very interesting because some of them had, had, had some real attitudes. And I remember one, I'm, just, I'm not going to tell you his name, I'm just going to call him Jay. And um, he was a high schooler, and he really, he didn't, he didn't want to be there. He didn't want to be there, and, um, but something happened, and I was told this by Marta, who is the director there. And he would sit on the steps of the school, and he was supposed to teach English. He would sit on the steps of the school with his iPod, just sit there and say, and they had this look like, what am I doing here? And, you know, the, anyway, so one morning the kids were arriving, and they were walking three hours, some were walking three hours over 11,000 feet, uh, Mount Guragi, and then the, and, and over a dangerous mountain with hyenas and child rapists through there. And anyway, and these kids are wearing the clothes that had holes in them, and, and no one got those clothes for them. They were just passed to them by somebody, some older kid, and hand me downs. And so Jay is sitting there listening to his iPod on the, on the, on the steps, and Marta sits down with him and says, uh, Jay, uh, you see these kids every morning when you get up. You open your closet, and you wonder, what am I going to wear today? And she told him, she said, you know, these kids, they don't do that. Because, number one, they don't have a closet. Number two, (laughs) they are wearing what they're going to wear today. That's all they got. And he said, that conversation changed his life. Because at that point, she told him, says, get up and start teaching these kids English. And he did, and it changed his life. And he, he then went on to learn Swahili, he went to Yale and African Studies, and then on to the University of South Africa, and because he no longer took thought for what he was going to wear. If you saw him today, you'd know he didn't take thought for what he was going to wear. I'm <laughs> 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 no, just kidding. But um, that's a consuming care, taking all these thoughts for food and, and, all, and what's going to happen to me, what has happened to me you know, with our health. You know, you can't add one cubic, I'm too fat, I'm too tall, I'm too short, I'm too skinny, I'm too bald, I can't see, I can't hear, I can't walk, etc., etc. We all have a catalog. We should have a catalog of the problems that are wrong with us. Now, he says future, verse 34. Don't worry about your future. We plan for the future. We ensure for the future. I know a young person who, while he was engaged, not even married, but he was engaged to get married, his father-in-law came to him and asked him, how much thought have you given to starting an insurance policy for long-term care? He said, <laughs> he said what's long-term care? <laughs> he said, well, that's when you can't go to the bathroom by yourself and you need someone to help you. He said, have you started to worry about that? <laughs> Not even married yet. And so worries for tomorrow drain out of us the strength that God has given us for today. That's what it does. It's a corroding care. It's destructive. What's the solution? Take the rebuke. He said, you of little faith. Remember, the word of God is given, all the scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable for reproof. Number one, take it, you of little faith. And trust God for two things. For his prevision, his prevision. See, in, in verse 32, your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. That's the prevision of God. Trust him for that. That you don't have to, that, that this, what you need is not a shock to him. 
and trust him for his provision. That's verse 26. Your heavenly father feedeth. That's provision. Verse 30. God so clothe. That's provision. It's wonderful for us to take ownership of the Lord who did this because he's so, he's so wonderful. And, you know, I remember one time after we finished our work and we got to go to the Serengeti to see the animals and there were ele- elephants there in the Serengeti. And we, we've had in our business up to 900 goats. And, and so we know very well the figure $150 per month. That's what it costs us to take care of one goat, $150 per month. And we had 900 one time. We don't have 900 now. I don't know how many have, 100 or something. Anyway, what is it? And an elephant weighs about 150 times the weight of a goat, in case you were interested. And I don't even want to think about how much it costs to take care of an elephant for a month. But when we got to the Serengeti, and, saw, and I saw a herd of 200 elephants, I was terrified. <laughs> Not from the danger of the elephants, but with the thought of, who's going to pay for that? <laughs> who's going to pay that monthly bill to take care of all those elephants? God does. Every single day. With grass. And that was another interesting thing. I always thought grass was like, you know, keep it cut, keep it short, some of it's weed. But it's extremely important to the elephant and to other animals, too. But God provides because God provisions what the elephant's going to need. And he supplies. That's an amazing thing. And that's not just the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not just the Heavenly Father. As he said, that's our Lord Jesus Christ. That's our Heavenly Father. Your Heavenly Father. We have a very special relationship with the one who is providing and preceding everything that will happen. That's a wonderful thing. What shall we say then? If God's for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not freely give him all things? He says, look at the birds. Do you see the birds? You go to a nest of birds and you see, and you see like, you know, reams of paper thrown all over the place with Excel spreadsheets on it. When they're sitting there, the birds are sitting there and they say, oh, now when are we going to sow? We got to sow. You sow. And oh, and then we, on this date, in our, our timeline, we got to reap. You, know, you reap. We all have to reap. It's a big job. And then when are we going to start building these barns to take care of all this anyways? How are we going to do this? Poor birds, they need Valium. <laughs> He's saying that. They don't do that. But... They are fed. He says, or look at the lilies. He says, oh, I've got to spin some beautiful fabric for myself. And the lily says, am I looking good? How do I look? He says, they don't do that. And then he says to them, he says, those lilies have got garments of glory. Look at Solomon in all of his glory. Those lilies are more glorious. Who did that? God did that. I was telling this to a Jewish friend of mine, a new believer, Yesterday, he was all worried because a half a million dollar business deal had just fallen through. And I was telling him about this passage and told him, you know, you trust God. And he says to me, he, 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 says, he says to me, in order for me to not worry, he said, my friend says, I need new blood. I have Jewish blood. I'm Jewish. <laughs> I told him, I said, you don't need a Gentile blood transfusion because what's in your blood is passion. So what's in your blood is passion. Now it's your heart's decision where you're going to place that passion. That's the issue there. Nobody can worry like Jewish mothers. 
you know, there's three Jewish grandmothers, Bubby's sitting on a bench. The first one gives a big sigh. She says, Oi! Long, short silence. Second one gives a sigh. Oi vey! Silence. Third one gives a sigh. Oi vey smear! And the one of them says, I thought we agreed not to talk about our children. (laughs) (laughs) Passion. Seek first the kingdom of God. Not these other things. These other things, worry. Solution to worry, seek him. Seek him. Very simple. Worry is sinful. Worry will destroy. Your heavenly Father knows you have need. In the beginning, don't get attached. There's an end. In the beginning, seek and save that which is lost. There's an end for them. In the beginning, God, first priority for us. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word, for speaking to our hearts. Thank you, Lord, for for calling a spade a spade and speaking direct to us. We received it this morning, Lord. Now help us to learn, help us to apply, help us to become, to your words, to become part of our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program. If you enjoy this Bible teaching radio program and our evangelical ministry, Israel Restoration Ministries, that reaches lost Jewish people with the gospel, we'd like your support to continue this teaching on your station and reaching others with the gospel. You can support us by going to friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. Donate online at our website, friendshipwithgod.org, or call us directly to help support this radio program in reaching lost Jewish people and Gentiles with the gospel, 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Or again, go to friendshipwithgod.org.